0: When it comes to gift giving, are you more comfortable being the giver or the receiver? Some people love to be the giver who expresses their love and appreciation by giving gifts to other people. But it's difficult for them to be on the receiving end. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to respond. Somebody gives them something that they weren't expecting. Other people love to be the receiver of gifts and the recipient of someone else's generosity but they never get the hang of being generous themselves. They like it when good things come to them, but they never think about buying a gift for someone else unless they have to. When it comes to gift giving, are you more comfortable being the giver or the receiver? We need to learn to be both graciously. Lately, there have been many people receiving stimulus checks and unemployment checks who have never received them before. They've prided themselves in the past that they have always paid their own way, that they have never been on welfare. But the COVID-19 crisis has changed that. Now they see getting those government checks as an economic necessity. People who have lost their jobs have had to admit that they need help. So they find themselves in lines for free food or other kinds of handouts. It's unsettling, but it's reality. I, for one, don't think people should be embarrassed to receive the help given during this current crisis. We need to help each other through this crisis any way we can right now. Amen? Well, why am I talking about all this giving and receiving stuff? Because our subject today is grace. Grace is a difficult concept for some people to grasp. Grace is all about getting something for free. And some people don't like that. Getting something for free doesn't make sense. It makes us suspicious of a scam or something. We probably all enjoy bargains and good deals, but many of us want to earn our way in the world, no matter what. However, we don't have to earn our way with God. We don't have to earn our relationship with God because He loves us already. He loves us in spite of our shortcomings and mistakes. So even though it may make us feel uncomfortable or even a little humiliated, grace is exactly how God chooses to relate to us. He gives us what he wants to give us, even if we don't deserve it. It makes no sense that God would give us something we don't deserve. But God gives to us not as our sins deserve, but as his grace demands. That's probably worth repeating. God gives to us not as our sins deserve but as his grace demands as we continue the story of redemption this morning we want to think about two things grace and faith grace and faith do you know what both of these are last week we saw a short video from the story of redemption films website it was about the creation of our world and man's fall into sin If you missed it, you can still watch it at storyofredemptionfilms.com. So we're gonna watch part two this morning. Here
1: is Dr. James Norritt. When you think of God, what image comes to mind? If you struggle with your understanding of who God is, you are not alone. So much of the time, our image of God is shaped by the family that we grew up in. And if you grew up in a home with an unkind mother or an abusive father, you may struggle with believing that God is good and loving and kind. Our understanding of God is also shaped by the events of our lives, national tragedies and our own personal tragedies, illness, job loss, the disappointment of divorce and these things can cause us to believe that God is like an old man in the sky unaware of what is happening or even worse he knows what is happening but simply doesn't care but the thing which perhaps many people struggle the most with in regards to God is simply this believing that God still loves and cares for them despite their mistakes despite their flaws The Bible actually has a word for this type of unconditional love, and that is grace. Grace. What is grace? Well, grace is a word which is usually used in spiritual circles. That's perhaps because, sadly, many times grace from person to person is rarely seen. But when we do experience grace, we usually like it. I can remember driving out late one night in an unfamiliar part of town, and I was pulled over by the police for speeding. I know that's never happened to you. But as the police officer was writing the ticket and was about to hand it over to me, he received a call for him to go to another place. And so he took the ticket, he ripped it up, and he drove away. And for just a moment, that felt like one of the greatest moments in my life because in that moment, I experienced grace. I deserved a ticket, but I received grace. Philip Yancey is a Christian author and writer and he tells a story about how growing up he didn't understand grace very well either. In fact, he said that the only thing that he knew about grace was that was the word that was used to refer to a prayer that was said before a meal. And Amazing Grace was like, great prayer, Dad, good job. (laughs) Well, grace is so much more than that. Grace is God's unconditional, unmerited, undeserved blessing that God gives to us simply because He loves us dearly as His children. And grace by its very nature cannot be earned, but is a free gift from God. Grace covers over our sins and takes away the guilt and shame, enabling us to go on and to live the kind of life that God always intended for us to live. Grace is that ever-present, ongoing blessing in our lives that God gives us to empower us for daily living. Common grace is found in every aspect of our lives. It's found in creation and the beauty of nature friends and loved ones, the smiles and laughter that come into our homes, food, clothing, and shelter. These are blessings that come from God and evidence of God's continued love in our lives. Yes, truly, God is a God of grace. The creation account is a beautiful example of God's grace. God made Adam and Eve because He desired a people to love. And He gave Adam and Eve everything that they needed in the Garden of Eden. He gave them food, He gave them shelter, He gave them companionship, He gave them meaningful work, and there they lived in close community with God and one another. And for us, we receive God's grace every day. The things that we take for granted and often believe that we deserve, Food, clothing, shelter, our children, our jobs, all of these things are blessings that come from God and are evidence of God's continued love and care every day in our lives. So what do you think? Where have you seen God's grace in your life? and How has God been gracious to you despite your mistakes, despite your flaws? And who can you show grace to in your life?
0: Each week in this series, we are watching one video from the Story of Redemption film series. This series tells about the redemption plan God offers each of us so that we can return to him after we've sinned and rebelled against him. Go to storyofredemptionfilms.com website if you want to see more. Last week we started thinking about two questions I asked at the end of the message. Those questions are, do you think there is a God? If there is, do you think God loves us? I wonder if you thought about that this week. And are you ready with your answer? Do you perhaps want to know more? If you do, look over at the sidebar of your screen in the chat section. If you hit that connection card button and send us a question, we'll respond to you as soon as possible. So we invite you, we encourage you to ask your questions as you try to figure some things out. So don't hesitate to ask. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Adam and Eve were the first two human beings created by God. They were also the first two human beings to sin against God. They had been given a perfect world, and they still made a bad decision and disobeyed God. Since then, every human being, except for Jesus, has also sinned and deserves God's judgment. This group includes you and me, of course. There are no exceptions except Jesus. God has said from the beginning that the punishment for sin is death. And this means not only physical death from old age or disease or an accident, but also eternal separation from God. This death is sometimes called the second death. And the second death is far worse than the first because it is eternal. The one who dies the second death is separated from God for eternity. God knew that we were going to sin but he wanted to spare us the penalty of our sin because he loves us. So God created a plan to redeem us by paying the penalty for us. Jesus, the sinless son of God, sacrificed his own life and paid the penalty, setting everyone free who puts their faith in Jesus to save them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that almost unbelievable? The topic of grace is found in the Bible mostly in the New Testament, but hints of it can also be found in the Old Testament as well. And so this morning we're going to look at two very personal stories in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. They are the stories of Cain and Abraham. The story of redemption is the story of grace. Grace is God blessing us when we don't deserve it. In fact, when we deserve just the opposite. A common definition for grace is unmerited favor. But God's grace is even more than unmerited favor. George Stansbury told a group of Bible college students, if you leave this service today and you see a needy person on the street and you give him a dollar, that is unmerited favor. He did nothing to deserve it. But if you leave here and you go to your car and you find a man breaking into your car to steal your radio and your wallet and then you give him a dollar, that is grace, because that is the opposite of what he deserves. Think about this story James Norah told about Cain, Adam and Eve's son. Cain deserved death because he had taken the life of his brother, Abel. Abel's offering to God had pleased God, but Cain's offering had not. Cain grew angry. And even when God saw this and warned him to get his anger under control... Cain lured his brother out into a field and killed him. God's punishment for Cain was not execution, taking his life, but taking away his livelihood, which was farming, and sending him out to wander the earth. Cain was worried that someone else would hunt him down, so God gave him a mark on his forehead that made everyone else leave him alone. Have you ever wondered why God responded to Cain's horrible sin the way he did? The point of God's response was not condemnation, but forgiveness and restoration. He gave Cain a second opportunity to get right with God. And we're not sure if Cain ever did this, but he ended up becoming the forefather to a huge number of people, a genealogical line which Genesis traces up to the time of Noah and the flood. And the point is this. God gave Cain that which he didn't deserve, a second chance. In the same way, he gives every other sinner a second chance if they will acknowledge their sins and turn back to God. By grace, God freely gives us what we don't deserve. The story of redemption is the story of grace. The story of redemption is a story of faith. A second story James Norridge shares in week two is the story of Abraham, the father of all Jews. Beginning in Genesis 11, we can read the remarkable story of Abraham's life and his many experiences with God. And while Abraham was far away in a place called Ur, in an area called Iraq today, God called out to him and commanded him to leave his homeland and go to a place God would show him. And Abraham left Ur and traveled over 500 miles, not even knowing where he would end up. Abraham simply trusted God to show him what to do every step of the way. This trust the Bible calls faith. Faith is putting our trust or confidence in God, even when we don't know everything God is going to do. God made some great promises to Abraham if he would put his trust in God. First, he told him that he would give him the beautiful land of Canaan, a land of magnificent mountains, flowing rivers, and lush valleys. Abraham could hardly believe his ears, but he took God at his word. He believed what God said. Second, God promised to make a great nation from Abraham, even though he and his wife were old and past the time of having children. At 75 years old, this was a hard thing for Abraham to believe, but he trusted God to do what he said he would do. However, after a long time had passed and Abraham's wife, Sarah, had not become pregnant, Abraham questioned God. In Genesis 15, Abraham expressed his doubts to God. He was now almost 90 years old. Abraham wanted to believe God, but the promise God had made to him now seemed physically impossible. We may think having doubts means you have no faith, but asking and getting answers to our questions can actually lead to greater faith. Abraham's faith grew year by year, even though he had doubts. Look at Genesis 15, 1 through 6, while I read. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham asked God, why did you promise me that I would have many children and my wife hasn't even become pregnant one time? Now my servant Eliezer will become my heir when I die, not a child of my own. Well, God could have become angry with Abraham's doubts, but he patiently answered Abraham's honest questions, just as he answers ours. He reiterated his promise to give Abraham many heirs, not just one. In fact, God said their number would be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. Notice that Abraham questioned God, but God did not become angry. Do you remember me saying last week that God invites and encourages our questions? He does. He's not put off by them. He invites them because he knows that is how we come to believe and trust him. God has nothing to hide. And our honest questions and doubts can only help us come to greater faith. God didn't destroy Abraham for his lack of faith. He could have, but his grace considered Abraham's honest fears and doubts and took them in stride. Abraham's questions and doubts came not because he had no faith in God, but actually because of his faith in God. He believed God, but he also wanted to understand what God was doing. He was trying to understand how God could do what he promised to do. Did you pay attention to the last verse I read, verse 6? Verse 6 says, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. For nearly 25 years, Abram hung on to his faith in God until finally his son Isaac was born. Can you imagine 25 years? We have trouble waiting 25 days, Uh, actually 25 minutes. Abraham questioned God. But after God repeated his promise, Abraham held on to that promise for another 10 years or more. Finally, Abraham's son Isaac was born when Abraham was about 100 years old. The story of redemption is a story of faith. When God gives us grace, he wants us to respond in faith. The story of redemption is a story of grace and faith. When God gives us grace, He wants us to respond in faith. Ephesians 2 says this, Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So let me ask you this morning. Do you think God wants to give you something you don't deserve? Could that even be possible? If you're like me, you've made many mistakes in your life. You failed the same people enough times that they probably can't forgive you anymore. And perhaps you think the same thing is true of God. That you failed him so many times, he's lost patience with you. Maybe you think you can never be forgiven and given a second chance. But that's just not true. Our God is a God of grace. And he wants you and me to respond to him with faith. Before I close, let me share a simple allegory with you. It goes like this. The enemy of the world, Satan, was on the side of life's road with a very large cage. A man came toward him, noticed it was crammed with people of every kind, young and old, people from every race, every nation, it seemed. Where did you get these people? The man asked. Oh, from all over the world, Satan replied. I lure them with drinking, drugs, lust, lies, anger, hate, love of money, all manner of things. I pretend I'm their friend. I promise them a good time. And then when I've hooked them into the cage, they go. And what are you going to do with them now? The man asked. Satan grinned. I'm going to prod them, provoke them, get them to hate and destroy each other. I'm going to stir up racial hatred, defiance of law and order. I'll make them bored and lonely and dissatisfied, confused, restless. It's easy. People will always listen to what I offer them and even blame God for the sad outcome of their lives. And then what? The man asked. Those who did not destroy themselves, I will destroy, Satan said. None will escape me. Then the man stepped forward. Can I buy these people from you, he asked. Satan snarled. Yes, you can, but it will cost you your life. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid for our release from Satan's trap with his own life on the cross at Calvary. The door of the cage is open. And anyone whom Satan has deceived and caged can go free. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are grateful for your love. We are amazed that you show grace to us when we don't deserve your kindness and your blessing. We bow before you, Lord, conscious of of your grace toward us toward each one of us with all the failures and mistakes of our lives Somehow you still love us. Somehow you still offer us another chance We thank you for the gracious gift of your son Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins so that we Could escape the cage and go free We thank you for your love and grace is still sustain us after we come to faith so that we could continue living for you and growing in our faith. Lord, as we have doubts or times of confusion, questions that come up in our minds, we know that you are not put off by these, but you graciously answer each one of those, that you tenderly work with us and show us grace time and time again. And I pray today, Lord, if there's somebody here that's not quite sure about you yet, that they would open their heart and just begin to ask questions and look for the answers that you alone can give. We thank you for being with us during this very unusual time, this crisis, for sustaining us, for giving us peace and joy. And we continue to ask that you will do that day by day for whatever time remains before things can get back to almost normal. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for what you give us every day. Our eyes on you. Our hope is in you. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, with the extra time that many of us have right now, I just want to continue encouraging you to go to James Norred's website. Watch the videos that he's prepared. Here's the link again, storyofredemptionfilms.com. Now, God bless us all this morning as we continue worshiping the Lord and all of this coming week. Don't forget our care, share, and prayer time on Wednesday nights at 7. Just check out our website so you can stay connected to everyone else until this crisis time is over. Let's worship the Lord.